Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. We're in our new studio, we're in a normal living routine again. It finally feels like it, we are back to normal, and that's what today's episode is going to be about. Yeah, getting back to resetting after after a bad period. Yes, right? exactly. So in our situation, as you've probably heard us talk about before... I think uh, every week we actually say that we're never going to talk about it again. But now we have a whole episode about it, which is yeah. great. Right. So the situation, just in case anyone is a new listener, is that my family, our house got flooded and very moldy while we were gone during the summer, and we returned to basically having no home. So we stayed with friends for a while, which was great and wonderful that we had a place to actually live. Uh, stayed in Doug's grandmother's house for a little while, which was also great, and two months total went by without a house. You know, we have two kids, two dogs. So we all were sleeping in the same room on the floor in each of these places, and it just, you know, everything got turned upside down as far as healthy eating especially, uh, but the rest of our lives too, and we've now been in an actual real place that we're renting for a full month almost, and have just in that amount of time gotten back to normal with eating. So what we want to talk about today is just how do you bounce back from being in a situation where you're not eating as healthily as you know you can. So we're not saying how to start healthy eating for the first time, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people can relate, not necessarily to this flood situation, but to just knowing that you can do better with how you're eating, knowing that you have done better before and that for whatever reason, you've gotten out of that habit. Yeah, I think this works for this time of year, especially as, as we go into the holidays and you start eating, you know, eating habits kind of go out the windows as it's getting colder, you know, for winter and those warm you know, uh, what do you call them? Nurturing foods? No. Uh, Comfort foods. Comfort foods (laughs) um, are more attractive. So, you know, I think this is kind of a good good time to be talking about this for everyone. It's kind of a bad time to talk about this, right? Wouldn't after the holidays be the the good time to talk about this? (laughs) All right, maybe so. (laughs) So listen to it now and then listen to it again after the holidays. Well, it gets you you ready for it. I think that's actually a really good point, is if you can go into the holidays or any tough time, if you can have momentum going in and being at your best as as it comes and being being mindful of that so that the holidays don't just sort of creep up on you and you suddenly just slip down that that slide that we all go down. Um, yeah, but it's the perfect time to talk about it. This is the perfect time to talk about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, sort of, it's also a perfect time to pick up the Nomad Athlete book. My book, uh, co-written with Matt Resigno, registered dietitian who is also a vegan and ultra-endurance athlete. It's in the Kindle store right now. For two ninety nine, Kindle chose it as a Kindle monthly deal, or Amazon chose it as a Kindle monthly deal, which they're now calling holiday deals, by the way, oh. which I like because then I can say, make this your healthiest holiday season yet with the No Meat Athlete book <laughs> for just two ninety nine in the Kindle store. So uh, if you if you like the show, if you've not bought a No Meat Athlete product before, this is kind of a good way to, first of all, support the show. Mm-hmm. Second of all, just kind of get, get the, the manual, the guidebook, get what it's all about. Very good introduction to the brand, to this lifestyle, to the you know small step habit approach, sort of running, changing stuff, and a very very good overview, especially with Matt Resigno's help, of what we believe is the healthy version of the plant based diet for athletes. And something I learned the other day is that 
even if you don't have a Kindle, there's a free Kindle app you can download and read Kindle books that way. Yes. So you don't have true. to have a Kindle. Absolutely. You don't do even you have get... to have a smartphone. You can get on your computer oh, really? Kindle app. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which I have some experience with. Oh, there you go. Look at you. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> uh, 50 recipes, training programs for half marathon, 5K, 10K, everything you could possibly want is in this book for $2.99. <laughs> so you, Your yeah, whole I mean, life can change. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and there's a shout out to me in there. So, you know, you got to get it for that. Where, where is there really? There's a thank you in the. Oh yeah, okay, nice, <laughs> good. So anyway, check it out, Kindle Store. It's called No Meat Athlete, and uh, I would just really appreciate it if if uh, that is your way of supporting the show. Okay, on to our topic. The reset. The reset. How do you reset? We're just sticking to healthy eating. We realize that we, I myself, have done a few things that are you know related to meditation or going outside, and moving these very important things, but. We're just sticking to the kitchen for this episode. We limited it also to five. We said, what are the five most important things that someone could do? And again, we're not talking about how do you start healthy eating. We're not saying, you know, the small steps approach. I don't know, all the the basic guidelines. We've done episodes about our favorite habits, and we've done episodes about uh, 10 healthy guidelines for eating, 10 guidelines, simple guidelines for eating healthier than ever. So this isn't that. This is just, if we want to keep it small and manageable, what are the five most important things someone could do to get back to eating the way that they know that they can and they should. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. We spent a long time. <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to, to narrow this down to five and make sure we have the five good ones that that, yes. you know, that we really want to recommend. So this is, this is going to be fun. Okay. So let's go. So number one, uh, this is one I actually just did today, and that is drink smoothies. There you go. <laughs> it, not new advice to anyone listening to this show or who has read a lot of No Meat Athlete stuff, but the reason that... I want to mention that one is because I had kind of gotten away from that. That's something that I wrote about in the early years of No Meat Athlete all the time as my number one most important healthy eating habit uh, sets you up, you know, puts you on track for the whole day. And I kind of got away from that a little bit. I went the, – the path that I took to get away from drinking smoothies was I started drinking banana-only smoothies from, <laughs> from this Woodstock Fruit Festival and the Fruitarian community that I sort of, I don't know, took some interest in and started making these smoothies out of – five or six bananas and water and nothing else. Sometimes a handful of walnuts maybe. So I would do that for a while, feel very energetic because of it. But then after a while I started thinking, hey, this maybe this, is, I don't know, maybe this is just too much sugar for one person, especially if I'm not following the fruitarian diet otherwise, right? Because right. I, don't, I don't know that, I think if you just pull certain elements out of the fruitarian diet, I think some people, including Doug Graham, who's the author of 80-10-10, kind of the Bible of fruitarianism, uh, you know, would say that you're not doing it right then. Like if, if you're taking, if you're eating all the sugar, but but in other times of the day you're eating all this fat, those two things together are going to cause problems. Whereas if if you're doing really truly fruitarian, it's only sugar. There's very little fat. Right. So anyway, I started to think maybe that's not the best idea. And then some days I wouldn't have this banana smoothie, and then I would just got away from smoothies entirely as a result. Then when we were away from our house without a home, I should say. Uh, it was also very easy not to just be in any kind of good smoothie habit. It was easy to go get a cup of coffee and just do whatever. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of lost my way when it came to smoothie making. Oh, one more thing. Erin lost all that weight last this year. We had a podcast episode with her on it, my wife. Uh, and one of the things she sort of followed there was that she stopped drinking smoothies then because hmm. we had added a lot of nuts, been adding a lot of nuts and seeds to our smoothies. Very, We thought a very important part of getting good stuff in our diet but high fat a lot of fat a lot of calories in nuts uh which doesn't by any means mean that you shouldn't eat them but if your goal is 
weight loss and you're trying to you know go on go on a push where you lose some weight then i would recommend not eating many nuts during that period Hmm. so she stopped drinking smoothies for that reason uh another fact on top of that is that when you blend food up or when you juice food especially you are increasing the caloric density right you're taking the you're making it putting lots of calories into a smaller space. Right. If you were to try to eat 10 apples, it would be difficult. But if you were to blend those up, be easier. And then if you were to juice them, I'm granted that's not quite the same as eating apples, but you can get most of the calories from apple juice and way more of it, right? Right. So anyway, the idea is that it's easier to eat more calories if you're drinking them in a smoothie form rather than whole fruit or whole food form. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's great. Like an athlete who's trying to get some calories, I think that makes smoothie a, a perfect food. Right. But... For some people, it's not. So anyway, that's I, I that's think, how we got off of it. I think a lot of people make the mistake of just adding a smoothie to their normal breakfast already, so still eating their cereal or their bagel or or whatever other pastry you're, that they have for breakfast and then a smoothie on top of that. And that is a ton of calories because if you think about all the food that went into the smoothie and then all the normal breakfast food, it's easy to combine them when you're drinking a smoothie. But um, you, know, you would never eat all that food if it was in whole form. Right. And because the smoothie is liquid, you probably could – as long as you drank it pretty quickly, drink it with your breakfast, not feel really any more full until right. later on. So that's a really good point. Uh, and I mean, you know, like Dr. Campbell and Esselstyn, I think they are not big fans of smoothies. They they say you like, yes, those foods are good, but eat them in their whole form, and that's going to make you eat less of them, which is kind of what I just talked about. But mm-hmm. you know, when when guys of that stature, I guess, are are saying not to drink smoothies, people pay attention to that, right? Um, I, I kind of think that's – and this is my problem with a lot of the advice that, that doctors and people in that position of you know tons of knowledge give is that it's not always the most practical thing easiest to comply with. So I'd rather tell someone drink smoothies because I think that's way easier than telling someone eat the spinach and eat the fruits and eat the nuts that you were going to put – like make that your breakfast. Most <laughs> people aren't very excited by that as a breakfast. Right. But they can get excited or at least happy with – drinking a smoothie for their breakfast sure so while maybe not quite as good as eating those whole foods if that's if the smoothie is what makes people do something pretty healthy i think that's a a good thing rather than attempting to eat apples and nuts and spinach for breakfast and then saying well this is terrible i'm gonna go eat my mcdonald's drive-thru or whatever Mm -hmm. so that's why i think it's a really good uh compromise and like i said if you're an athlete and if if the calories aren't your enemy for and for a lot of people listening to this they're probably not then i think smoothies are great uh, in my own case, I think just getting back to having that as one of the first things that I eat in the day, it just, I feel like it just puts me on the right track for eating. And it just kind of sets me up for the day to not have coffee be the first thing that I have. Um, you know, and, and also like, yeah, I mean, you can make arguments to admit that smoothie isn't the healthiest possible food you can eat. But I tend to think that when you are eating in a way that's not stressful to you, that, that feels like it's healthy and feels good. I tend to think your body's going to treat that food as a health food. Right. So like there's a, the dark chocolate example where I believe there's some actual studies that show that people who eat dark chocolate thinking it's bad for them actually do suffer health whatever consequences from that. People who eat the dark chocolate thinking that it's good for them, the same dark chocolate, actually show some benefits that come from it. That's why I, you know, when I drink beer, I think it's good for me and it works out really there well. There you go. <laughs> um, you can just drink unlimited beer as long as you think it's good for you. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think you're right. And 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 let's be real, smoothies are way healthier than a lot of typical breakfast foods, right? Yeah, right. And sure. and you know, even when you add the nuts in, they're probably still less calories than like a Starbucks muffin or something like that. Yes, and yeah, and, and like you said, so much better. I mean, yeah, 
we're talking about smoothies as if they're not, as if they're not whole foods. Right. And, and they are. They're just whole foods that have been blended up. But and compared to a Starbucks muffin, I mean, it's just so much real stuff compared to sure. whatever goes into that. Okay, so... I had my... Um, on this past Saturday was... Thanks, or what, what was nope. it? Uh, <laughs> Halloween. Yes. <laughs> had my first pumpkin smoothie of the year. Oh yeah, delicious. yeah. I forgot that you do pumpkin smoothies. Yeah, don't do them all the time, but they are so such a nice little treat. You just like took your jack o' lanterns and just smashed them up into your, <laughs> yeah. into your Vitamix. We put on some smashing pumpkins. And <laughs> nice. Went to town. No, yeah, use pumpkin puree. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea. I don't really like pumpkin things, but I like the idea of that. It seems it's, festive. It's really good. Yeah. And uh, very filling. Good. Yeah. Good anyway. Tip. All right. What else we got? So that's smoothies. And I mean, I think I think smoothies just are, if, if you are in a situation of never eaten healthy before and you want to start, I think smoothie is such a good first step. It's such a small step. It's an easy thing to begin doing. Uh, so if, if you're not on that train yet, I would suggest you get on it. All right. Number two, kind of smoothies sister. Deconstructed. <laughs> also known as, <laughs> yes, the deconstructed smoothie uh, is the salad, right? I mentioned that it would be difficult to eat your smoothie as your breakfast if it wasn't blended up it wouldn't maybe be that attractive but then it's called a salad and, and it's not that attractive <laughs> for breakfast but it can be pretty attractive later on especially if you put a good dressing on it yeah uh so getting back to salads i i know it's obvious right smoothies and salads we talk about them all the time but for me that was that was the next thing that, that i made sure that we started doing again and so did my wife it was just a very important thing that we started eating salads again so how do you do that, right? I mean, obviously, you yes, you can just go eat more salad, but we tend to eat more salads if we are set up to do so. It, it definitely, more than almost any other food, I would say our, our salad consumption depends on us thinking about it in advance and saying, we're going to go get the lettuce in advance and we're going to chop it up and we're going to make sure we have the right dressing on hand that we actually like because if we don't have that, we're not going to do it. Or if we do, it's not going to be very healthy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, whatever we whatever dressing that happens to be in the refrigerator that's usually not the not the good one yeah so uh having the greens ready makes a huge difference for sure it does you can get them from those clamshell boxes i think they're called those clear things not good right not good goes bad bad. it's a scam that is a marketing scam is what that is yeah I'm, i'm a conspiracy theory calling this that they put those in those boxes so that they go bad faster so that we buy more and it's a waste of Oil. Nah, we don't care about that. The plastic and the environment and all that, <laughs> yeah. not a big deal. But the scam, I don't like no. that. They they definitely go bad <laughs> way quicker. So you have to buy the whole head of lettuce, right? Yes. I mean, there are tricks for making those clamshell things work. If you really don't feel like chopping up your stuff, I think you can put paper towels into those boxes and maybe yeah. it works. But, but then you're wasting paper towels. There you go. And the environment, More as waste. we know, is crucial, right? The environment <laughs> yeah. matters. And it does matter. So... Yeah, so we are we both are big fans of this approach. Just go buy the head of lettuce. And I got out of this for many years of my life doing the clamshell thing. Mm-hmm. But go buy the heads of lettuce. They're cheaper per pound. Yep. Most for the most part, way cheaper. You can get nice organic romaine or organic green leaf lettuce and it's not gonna be that expensive. It's gonna be a little bit more than the non organic, sure. But I think it's gonna seem cheap compared to that that plastic box. Chop that up. I think you said you just leave yours in the salad spinner in the refrigerator, right? Yeah, that's although, what we do too. Same thing. <laughs> Katie decided this week that we can't do that anymore. <laughs> it takes up too much space. But yeah, that's a it's a easy it's so easy to do that. You just spin it. You know, salad spins were one of those things that was invented what in the I don't know long time ago, fifties. It makes me think of like 
yeah, old kitchens. Seen on TV type and it has not changed at all. Um, and and that's well, there's okay. the electric one that has. There you are electric get... salads. Yeah. No. If you're really lazy, you can get an electric one that just oh my press a button and it spins your Seriously? salad. Seriously? Yeah. Do you, you don't have one? No. Do you? We okay. have a pump, old-fashioned kind where you pump it. And yeah. It goes. But uh, yeah, just leave it in the salad spinner and then you just, you know, pull it out and grab the salad you need, the greens you need, and you got a base for your salad. Yeah. I haven't found, I mean, I don't know what the consensus is on the best way to store those mm-hmm. greens. Like, it, you, some people say airtight, but I think it seems to keep pretty well in something that's not quite airtight. Yeah. Like a salad spinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why the salad spinner keeps it so much better than the plastic box does, because it sort of seems like the same situation. Air can get to it. Yeah, I don't, I have no I idea. don't know. Mm-hmm. But it works better. Uh, so cheaper, lasts longer. I mean, it takes two minutes to chop up a thing of lettuce and spin it. It, it, it seems like a lot of work, but it's really not. Um, so that's that's one of the things. I've got about three more salad tips that we have mentioned before, probably. Uh, one thing we like to do is we like to buy the romaine. Or the green leaf lettuce, something that's just neutral and doesn't really taste like much. And then I would say in like a, a two-to-one ratio or maybe a one-to-two ratio, we work in a more bitter green that typically is going to have more nutrients, more nutrition in it. Um, doesn't have to be green. It could be radicchio type of thing. One of those little more expensive heads of something. Or dandelion greens are good. Uh, you could use some kale. But just something in there that's usually we have twice as much of, as the other non-bitter lettuce because it just gets to be too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's good. And then, of course, whatever whatever vegetables you want. Uh, other other good tips. What are you laughing at there, Doug? Oh, I was just thinking. The other day I bought um, mustard greens instead of kale by accident. Mm-hmm. Made I, a big salad with a bunch of mustard greens in it. And oh, it was all mustard greens? So, yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. spicy. <laughs> it was a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah. So you can't do that. Do, don't make that mistake. Don't do that. But mustard greens are another one that we do buy from time to time and put in there mm-hmm. yep. about half as much as the other lettuces. Um, and another one that works for that, I just thought of and have, have just as quickly forgotten. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> don't remember what it was. We get a CSA and, and the greens are, there's lots of greens coming out right now. Lots of really good dark leafy greens that you don't get very often. So. Oh, arugula. Can... That's what it was. Arugula is ah, a good one. So good. And you can make a whole salad out of arugula, but sometimes in the peak of the summer, it gets really peppery and it's much mm-hmm. better just as kind of a, a compliment to the other lettuces. Yeah. Okay, I've got a little other salad tips. The one we've mentioned a lot is make the salad while you're making dinner and serve it while you're making dinner. Have it on the counter while you're making dinner. That's when I tend to eat my salad. Otherwise, you get it at the same time as the hot food and you just want to start sneaking bites of the hot food and you end up ignoring your salad. Mm-hmm. I've done that a lot. So when you're really hungry for dinner, though, and you're thinking about food and you want to just snack on all the stuff you're cooking, if you have a big salad there, it's it's good. and that, That's the time to eat your big salad. Do you ever do salad for dinner? We do salad for lunch a lot. And there mm-hmm. are days, especially if we eat like a bunch of junk throughout the day. Like on Sunday, we watch football and we drank beer. Aaron made banana bread muffins. Um, we even made pigs in a blanket, vegan style. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because we went to a, a my son's uh, like a kindergarten picnic and someone brought that. A, a vegan person brought pigs in a blanket with like the diet cheese, the soy dogs. And, and like, of course, the kids loved them. Uh-huh. And we we're like, hey, we can make these at home. So we did it. I ate like five of those, and I felt terrible. I, I've never <laughs> felt that bad in a long time. So anyway, for dinner, we we're like, let's just have salad and put some chickpeas on there, and that'll be good. Uh-huh. So now and then we did that. Um, last thing to talk about with salads is dressings. Yes, you can buy dressing in the store. A lot of it's vegan if it doesn't have cheese in it or isn't creamy. Uh, 
the problem is that I mean then then you're really kind of taking away a lot of nutrition of the salad, right? If you pour not that much oil-based dressing on there, suddenly the vast majority of the calories in your salad are coming just purely from fat, nothing else. So I don't think that's the best way to to go about eating salads. Now and then, a nice treat like that, I'm I'm fine with it. But I think if it's going to be a habitual thing, you really want to get a dressing that is is doing good stuff for your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to think nut-based dressing is a nice alternative to oil-based. You can make them at home or you can buy them. Whole Foods has a, a line of oil-free salad dressings. But you can make them out of tahini. If you just Google like tahini re- dressing recipe, you can find some really good ones. Uh, cashew ranch is a nice one that kind of gives you that creaminess. No worse than regular ranch dressing. I mean, it, as far as taste goes, it's really good. Uh, so we've done that a lot. But I don't know. That's that's crucial to us. We've got to have one of those dressings made or bought and ready to go. Otherwise, we're just not going to be that attracted to eating salads. I'll say for the longest time, I was hesitant to make my own dressing. It seemed like something that was difficult. And then how do you store it and you know all these things like that. Uh, but it was a really easy thing to do. We've started doing it in the last few years. And uh, it's really easy. You can get one of those dressing shaker things mm-hmm. that you just pour all the ingredients in it seals itself and then you just shake it up and and you can leave that in the fridge for you know weeks probably um so we'll do we'll you know it's just it's a lot easier than you think and you don't need any special tools or anything like that good okay so transition to our number three very similar topic though is lessening oil now i know not everybody likes the idea of getting rid of oil entirely people get angry when i say that it's not a health food uh, which, by the way, is not my idea. Uh, I talked about <laughs> Campbell and Esselstyn earlier. They are both big advocates of not eating any oil at all. Uh, my, we, after the cruise last summer, which, by the way, is coming up again, February, there the you go. cruise at tasteofhealth.org. <laughs> Mention no meat athlete. Get $75 onboard credit. Uh, and it's really fun, though. But anyway, we after that, we stopped eating oil entirely at home. Once once everything got disrupted and we were eating takeout all the time or just making what we could, we started eating – basically went back to normal with, with the amount of oil we consumed. And since we've gotten back home, I would say I have eliminated 90% of the oil that we were eating. So I'm not quite oil-free again yet, but I think I'll get there pretty quickly. Um, I just think though, even if you don't agree that it is it should be eliminated entirely from your diet, I think almost everyone can benefit from just you know cutting the amount of oil they eat in half. And it's – not just can benefit from that, but you can do so probably without noticing, right? If you're actually the one cooking your food, you're going to notice that you didn't put as much oil in, and maybe that'll show up when you're eating your dinner. You'll be able to have this sense that it's not as quite as rich. But I think if it, if it was sort of a blind thing and someone else was making your food for you and they reduced the amount of oil in your food by half, I think you probably wouldn't notice. Doug, would you like to challenge me on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to challenge you on it. This this is one of those that you've been talking about a lot, and we have played around with, and it's never really stuck for us. I, I think it, part of it is the taste a little bit, and and habits, you know, and mm-hmm. and and what you, the amount of oil it looks like you're putting in there. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of that's what it is. For me, when I used to be really into cooking, or having used to be really into cooking, it was really hard to make food without it, or like put water in the pan to saute the onions and garlic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just felt so wrong, and I thought if I do this, the food's not going to turn out well. But then I don't know. Once I went on the cruise and did it, and just had it made for me that way, I felt like I couldn't notice any difference. Yeah. So since then, I've felt like I just it doesn't seem that much different to me. But I can understand. I know that feeling of, you know, it's a habit, and it seems like you need it. So to not put it in, I don't know. I think I think it's easy to. 
know, just for that food to seem like it doesn't taste as good. But I, I, I don't really know. And I'm not saying that you definitely wouldn't notice it in a side-by-side test or if someone else was making it for you. But right. for me, once I kind of got over that little mental thing of I need to have this in there, I realized that the food to me wasn't that much different. So that's that's been one we did. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can readily admit that it's not for everyone. And I'm not, not saying that the only way to be healthy is to cut out the oil in your diet. But I think in most situations, when people use a tablespoon, you can use a teaspoon and you, you could be totally fine. We've mentioned the trick of heating the pan first and then putting the oil in so that it kind of spreads out. And you realize you know, that, a, that a teaspoon can off, often do the trick of coating your pan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and there are, there are some recipes that do absolutely depend on it. And you, you've got to make different versions of those or not, or not have those anymore if you're going to try to give up oil entirely. But like I said, I don't think you need to do that. I think you can just take little steps to reduce it when it's easy to do that. Yeah. All right, good. What's next, Doug? Why don't you introduce our number four? Why don't, why don't we talk about snacks? Okay, let's talk about snacking. It's, I like snacking. I know you do. <laughs> I'm a snacker. Um, what we have here is to switch the or replace your snacks with fruit. So you're snacking on fruit. Yes. So I think some people might take issue with this and say, well, you're just taking in a lot of sugar then. And yes, that's true. Replacing your snacks with fruit might not be the perfect step for someone who's trying to lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. For that person, I think they should probably replace their snacks with the lowest calorie food they possibly could that they can still enjoy. Rice cakes. Rice cakes are great. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do like rice cakes a lot. <laughs> Sesame or tamari flavored. Yum. Delicious. Yum. Of course, then you're getting arsenic and that's a problem. Yeah. Right, so. not, I don't think rice cakes are all that healthy for you. <laughs> but anyway, um, so at your grandmother's house, Doug, as you may recall, we had that counter full of chips and numinos yeah, that's why i love coming over to visit you guys <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just, good snacks it, it's just easy have. to I, like like you mentioned the comfort food we were definitely I, I don't think our kitchen was that much worse than a, a typical maybe average kitchen but for us it was it was really we had a lot of snacks a lot of comfort foods we had the numinos uh, i even bought cotton candy for my children at, at ingles <laughs> at the grocery store no way yes because they were oh curious about it my son had had it at a baseball game when he was like two, or saw someone eating it. He said, why is that person eating dog hair? <laughs> so, so we started talking about it again, and he'd never had it. Was it did it come in like one of those, those bins? A tub. Like, yeah, oh, my gosh. Tub. That stuff looks so 99 gross. cents for this oh blue and gosh. red tub of, of blue raspberry flavored cotton candy. Did he like candy. it? Uh, he thought it was weird. He came uh, to like it, of course, right? I mean, yeah, it's weird at first, sugar, right? like all that stuff. It, it seems unnatural, and then you have it, and it becomes quickly addictive. Uh, that is really funny. They ate probably 5% of the tub. We didn't We didn't finish the tub of cotton candy. They had each a few tastes, and I don't know. I just wanted them to try it, you know? Like, I don't uh-huh. – I, I hate that one aspect about this. I don't – I want them to experience stuff, and, like, I love that we get them to eat health food almost all the time, but – you know, I want my kids to know what cotton candy's like. You, yeah, know? Cause it's, you don't it's want them to be of... that, that college kid who still thinks that they're eating dog hair <laughs> okay. when they go to the baseball game. <laughs> exactly. So we did that, and it was fine, and they're not addicted to cotton candy or anything. But it's just an example of we were we were doing comfort foods. Um, so anyway, one of the things that we quickly did when we got here was, first of all, at, at the point of purchase, at the point of sale, decided to not – you don't buy the Numinos, right? They seem good in the store, but you don't need them right then. You're fine if you don't get them. And it's way easier to make that decision than it is later on once they're in your home to say, no, I'm not going to go eat those five Numinos that I want. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that, that's a standard health tip, right? Make, make the right decision at the store because it's easier to do it then than it is to do it at home. Uh, to help with that, you can, as they often 
write in shape magazine or whatever other magazine <laughs> uh, you can eat before you go to the grocery store so that you don't go there hungry. So we have just stopped having all that stuff and got fruit instead. It's just, that's what we've always done. And I don't know, I, I like fruit a lot as a kind of, as a, I'm not saying you should all the time snack every day on fruit. Some people would say that. I would say it's probably not the, the smartest idea to eat tons of fruit all day long, unless you're fruitarian and you're doing it. <laughs> if you're going all the way with it and you're limiting fat, I think it might be a viable way to eat. I don't know. But if you're eating like a normal person, I don't think it's good to be taking in tons of fruit on top of everything else. Right. So anyway, I, I do feel like fruit is one that, it's a quick energy food, right? It, you get sugar. A lot of it is in a liquid sort of form, right? It's in the juice of the fruits gets to your bloodstream quickly, so you can feel a, a pickup from eating fruit. So I think if you're kind of reducing all the junkier snacks, which of course do give you that instantaneous satisfaction and sometimes instantaneous energy, I like fruit as a, as a good replacement. I feel like it's just one that you can, you can have. It starts to feel like a treat. It start, you start to feel an energy boost from it. So I think it's a really good kind of next step snack from coming from the junky stuff. Yeah. So we did that. We, our counter is now filled with fruits. And get some lots of good. good apples right now. Apples are in season. Lots of good apples. We have apple tree in our backyard, and a pear tree and a fig tree. Ah, it's a good good new house. Have you been eating the apples? I don't eat them because they don't look like the apples I see in the grocery store. <laughs> <They're not shiny. laughs> but the kids love them. Yeah, they're <laughs> too, too spotty for my taste. Oh my. Um. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. So that so that's our next one is, is just replace your snacks. Fruit's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and our last number five tip might be the most important of all and probably the most difficult of all right? because the other one's right. It's easy to just start having a smoothie. That's not a, a big step, but this one's crucial. Doug, why don't you, uh, why don't you give it to us? I'll, I'll drum roll it. That's going to sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if that busted out your eardrums. Uh, meal planning. Da-da-da-da. Yes. And cooking. And cooking. Together. Cooking your own food. I mean... Maybe not the most exciting tip, but you have to cook. If you want to eat healthily day in, day out, and you're not rich, and you don't have a cook who's going to make your food for you, and you don't have the the budget to afford frozen, delicious, healthy meals shipped in to your house, which is an option, but From an expensive one. Purple carrot, as I was going? Their stuff's not necessarily frozen, but oh, okay. but you've got to still cook that food. Yeah. I was thinking more of like Thrive Foods Direct, like Brendan Brazier's thing, which I think oh, is yeah. still around. But you would get these fully prepared meals, and all you have to do is put them into a pot, or I think you could even microwave them if you wanted, hmm. and eat very fresh, good, although I know, Doug, you and the environment, you don't like stuff to be chipped in, but uh, eat very healthily without actually cooking. Yeah. So I guess for some people that that's an option, but for the vast majority of people, you've really got to cook your own food. And you should be, I think, most of the time bringing your food to lunch, bring, and bringing your lunch to work. Uh, also bring your food to lunch. That's, that's, another good <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, eat? yeah, bring your own food. Yeah, and, and start cooking and start uh, what I think both of us agree on is the best way to make sure that you're getting healthy and nutritious meals and to cut back on the amount of takeout that you're getting and the amount of um, times you're going out to restaurants is to plan ahead, do some meal planning, um, do some prep work on a day where you have more time so that on those later days on the you know later in the week when you're tired and getting home late from work uh, you don't have to do all that prep and do all that work then because then you know when you have all that weighing over you it's easy, much easier to go just yeah. pick something up just like the salads it's it's hard to just 
start eating salad, but if you've got the stuff ready to go, then you're likely to do it. So if you remove that barrier of I have to get ingredients, I have to prepare ingredients, the more of, of that you can lessen, the, the more likely you're going to make your own meals. Uh, it, we were in, in the rut, even once we got back into our house, of, at first, fun fact, the first two weeks in your grandmother's house, we got Thai food four times, takeout. <laughs> I remember telling you we'd had it the four times, and you're like, you've had it already, like, since you've been here? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I actually got sick of Thai food. I've never been sick of Thai food in my life, but I had it so well, much yeah. in those two to three weeks yeah. that I got really tired of it. So, uh, we, even once we got back here, we were still in this sort of phase where we were saying each day, it was like, okay, what are we going to have for dinner today? Let's go to the grocery store and get it. And you end up going to the grocery store every day. And it's just, it's just not good. It's just wasteful. It's not efficient to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, plan the meals ahead of time. It's, we're not going to talk all about meal planning here because that's a huge topic. But my, my best tip for that is, of course, plan your meals ahead of time on the weekend when you've got time or some other time when you have lots of time. Mm-hmm. But sit down, plan four or five at once. And if that is overwhelming, and I know that task, if you have 100 cookbooks in your house or 50 cookbooks in your house, it can be extremely hard to pick four meals. It's it just once you've got that many choices, not to mention the whole internet, uh, it's hard to say, let's find four meals to eat. Keep a list of the foods that you know you can make quickly and that are just generally low stress to prepare and have on the table. Maybe they're cheap, but they're good. The kids will eat them. Have a list of those and pull two or three of your weekly meals off of that list. Uh, otherwise, besides that, for the rest of them, I like to just pick a theme and say, we're going to do Italian food this week. So we'll pick pasta and two different pasta dishes, or we're going to do Mexican food. We'll pick two different Mexican type dishes. If you pick some sort of theme, or if, if there's an ingredient that you have on hand from the from the CSA or whatever, and you say we're going to make zucchini stuff this week, and you look up zucchini recipes, you can you can really limit your choices. And when you do that, suddenly it becomes much much easier just to to actually pick one. Right, definitely. So, lots more meal planning tips, of course, than that. But that's that's the basic one that we try to do. Um, I mean, really, the simplicity part of it has become such a huge thing for me. I don't care that much anymore about making delicious food as much as, like, let's find one that, that is cheap and quick and that I know the kids are going to eat. And then it's not going to be just a miserable dinner where there's, you know, a fight with them because yeah. they have cotton candy or whatever. <laughs> Out of pigs in a blanket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we ate some really bad food for a couple months. But we're well, back. We're back now. Well, good. So those are five tips for your diet reset your reset your bounce back your what else we got there your 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 swing into spring (laughs) your uh holiday success plan (laughs) okay speaking of your holiday success plan the no meat athlete kindle book (laughs) no meat athlete for kindle 299 this month only that's november 2015 for those who are listening in the future um go to the kindle store Check it out. It's a really great way to get acquainted with No Meat Athlete and what we're all about. has way more depth there than you can get in any single podcast episode or any single blog post. Much more cohesive um, and a really great way to support the show. Like I said, if, if you're looking for a way to do that, which I know everyone is, right? Everyone, when they listen to a podcast, just thinks, i got to find a way to support this show. Yeah, there, I'm handing it to you on a silver platter. Go there to the Kindle go. store and buy No Meat Athlete. That is your command. <laughs> we we definitely appreciate it, and we have some exciting news. Uh, we've been talking a lot about interviews for the last <laughs> yeah. twelve episodes, I think, since the episode one hundred. Um, and we have two that are coming up that we, are actually happening. They are happening, and I've got a list of about twelve more people that emails have been exchanged. So they're they're happening, but not quite yet. Yeah, so that's all. But good we news. will deliver some interviews. That's a promise. 
And uh, yeah, anything else? No, other than buying the Nominati Kindle book. Oh, yeah. That's all we got. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back soon. All right.